You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 191 of the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my podcast partner in crime, the brains of the operation, writer, journalist, dog mom, and owner of the Georgia Virtue, Jessica Salagi. I just did want to, before we get into anything, I did want to report that uh, Stanley and Stella listened to the show, at least during editing, and they are pleased that every week you recognize that I am a dog mom. <laughs> Poor dog. And I think that falls as animal abuse, making him listen to, listen to us. Well, they Especially don't me. listen to me. So, I mean, like, <laughs> generally speaking, I don't run the house. I don't have much control. So well, you, I, I, I hear you every week. Speak to them as if they were people. <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Stanley, you need to find something to do. Go, go somewhere. And, and do you and, know what he does? He goes and finds something to do. <laughs> yes. He currently, he he was in the office, you know, putting, forcing his head into my lap and trying to grab my hand. And I told him it was time to go do something. And he's in the living room enjoying a bone. There you go. So it's all so, about reasoning and speaking to them like with respect. With respect. Yeah. I mean, there's occasional sit the down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you feel bad and apologize. For sure. <laughs> Speaking of feeling bad, seven years of prison time <laughs> for Jim Beck. So you were wrong. Uh, you said he wouldn't spend a day in prison. Yeah, I didn't think so. This way uh, more time than I thought he was going to get. Oh, yeah. Uh, his attorneys asked for five. The prosecutors asked for ten, and judge went right down the middle. Uh, yeah. He got the judge received 85 letters encouraging him to show mercy to Beck, uh, attesting to his good works, Christian faith, and love for his family. I want to know who those 85 people are. Uh, I don't know. Rhymes I just hope him. it's nobody. I hope it's, well, yeah, I mean, I hope it's nobody in a position of power, honestly. Like if it's friends and members of the church, then. Whatever, I would expect that, but I just truly hope it's nobody who, after the fact, tried to, even though he, you know, pretty much lied on the stand, because the judge even admonished him for that during the the hearing. He said, um, you know, I, I appreciate, like, the kind of person you were before, but you misused the office for personal gain. You used it as your own piggy bank, and he said that his story on the stand, his testimony was a bunch of malarkey, and it sounded like he made it up as he went along. So. Right. Yeah. Well, that's so he, yeah, not, not only is he at fault for, for the fraud and all that stuff, but what, what the hell was he thinking? I'm sure he was offered a deal. For sure. I'm sure and when then, this first started and, and, uh, BJ was, was, uh, first, first indicted him, he probably could have just said, okay, let's make a deal. Well, the feds always offer you a deal up front. And I don't know what, what the number was, whether it was two years or whatever it was. He also would have been a couple years younger going into prison. Well, the judge said in the sentencing hearing, because they do this at the federal level, which 
I will say I don't necessarily agree with like on traditional cases, but when it's an elected official and there's that heightened level of abuse, I I'm kind of inclined to support it. But um, he said that Beck compounded his sentence because of his testimony and his obstruction of justice. Like he he drugged this out for everybody and. Because, you know, he said he was innocent and he maintained his innocence and he did nothing wrong. And then on during his hearing last week, he said, I take full responsibility. I'm sorry. You're only sorry because you got caught and you're only sorry because the jury found you guilty. And you're only sorry because now you're facing the music. Well, and the good Christian part is like, I, I, I must have missed that part of the Bible. Where Jesus said, you know, defraud the insurance companies because screw them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I must have missed that part where being a thief is is being a good Christian. Mm. I'm not saying he's not. He's not. Sir, I, 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 I'm not not saying he can't. You know, he can't apologize and 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 really mean it and all that stuff. But I think you're right. He, he certainly didn't seem to have a problem with it when he was getting McDonald's bags full of cash. No, and we're, none of us are free of sin and. Uh, you know, I I would never suggest that we are better than him just by default. But his behavior is you're punishing him for the behavior, not for the type of person he is. I mean, right. That's what this comes down to. And it doesn't matter who somebody was before. The fact is he broke the law and he has to be held accountable. Well, he has uh, two point six million in restitution. Uh Two and a quarter, a little more than, will go to Cincinnati Insurance Company, which repaid Georgia Unwriters Association for its losses. The remaining three hundred fifty-eight thousand will go to the IRS to repay Beck's tax evasion. Side note: My car insurance is through Cincinnati Insurance Company, and it went up like twelve dollars last year. And I swear, if that had anything to do with Jim Beck, I'll never let him hear the end of it. <laughs> well, it wasn't because yelled- I got in an accident or got a ticket, because I don't get tickets. Well, you have to yell at, yell at them through glass for, for the next uh, <laughs> better years. part of a decade. Uh, a judge ordered Beck to forfeit more than $2 million, including 426000 held in various accounts and two pieces of property worth almost $200,000. Uh, the money may, may, may be applied to the restitution he owes. Yeah, that part really ticked me off. I feel like... It shouldn't be subject. I mean, absolutely, this the company, the insurance company, and the IRS should be paid first. I mean, like if you if you owe if you're ordered through part of your sentence, it shouldn't be a subjective thing that maybe that in, that money and those resources go towards what you are ordered to pay. It shouldn't be the government gets this and that. The government gets this first, and whatever is left over, then do with it what you may, because he used it in the course of. You know, his yeah, the commission, the commission of a, of a right. felony. But so, yeah, he's he gets, uh, he's not even in prison yet either, which, you know, most of the time when you get sentenced, they're like, OK, especially because he was convicted, what, two or two or three weeks ago. And then he had to come back for sentencing, which is how the feds do it. But they usually tell you to be prepared to go to prison, but not Jim. He doesn't have to go till December. And I swear to goodness, it better not be like after Christmas. It better be before. No mercy. He's still going to miss Christmas. seven Christmases. Whatever. I don't care. I want him to miss this Christmas, Dave. Okay. 
<laughs> just because out for blood. Justice delayed is justice denied. <laughs> Serve it up now. Yeah, I mean, certainly if it, if it was in state court, uh, after you get your sentence, you know, you're you're taken away. You don't you don't get to go home and and hire some prison consultant. Uh, new motions filed in the DA Mark Jones case. Mark, 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 Mark. First of uh, all, this, hold on. What is Mark short for? Marcus. Oh, duh. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's just Mark. No one's uh, birth certificate just says Mark. Have Marky you seen Mark, some? maybe. <laughs> Marky Mark, huh? Uh, the state of Georgia filed new motions this week seeking to exclude any mention of Jones' prior property damage case at the Columbus Civic Center parking lot. That trial ended in a mistrial. And the uh, DA, uh, I think in that case, said they, or not the DA, but the um, prosecutor said they're not going to try that again, which as much as we think Mark Jones is a dumbass, I think that's the right decision. Like that was clearly political. It was brought by his former opponent during the election and he wasn't driving the car. <laughs> so, right. So, but um, his attorney, Chris Brault, wanted to bring that fact up and the state of Georgia is saying, no, we don't want you to be able to say that there was a mistrial. And uh, Brault, his whole narrative is that Mark Jones is a victim. The state is targeting him. You can't trust anything they do, which I largely agree with. But you're talking about different actors. Like the first one was brought by his former, former ousted opponent. And now we're talking about this new case is the state of Georgia because of inside sources in his own office. Right. Look, it's not, it's not a bad defense. You know, I, it's not, you're going to have one anti-statist out of 12. Well, all you have to do is convince the jury that the state as a whole is not trustworthy, which is very easy to do. Yeah, <laughs> look at it. Right, but again, I think when you have different players, um, that's where you're going to be. Right. So yeah. Oh, yeah. His statement is interesting. It's very interesting to me. It said the case against DA or the cases against DA Jones are without merit because of that. The authorities are doing everything they can to attack the character of Mr. Jones. There's an old saying in the law. If you can't attack the case, then attack the person. So that's what's going on here. They know the cases are weak on the merits, so they are doing everything they can to tarnish Mr. Jones's reputation as a person. And let's not forget, it was only three weeks ago that the same authorities were laughed out of the court after coaching witnesses who gave false testimony and perjured themselves. So I would take everything these people say with a grain of salt. Well, I mean, it's it's a strong defense to be. It is. I don't, of course, you know, I yeah, must have missed that day of law school, but I, I don't know that, that the, the state has, has a reasonable, has making a reasonable request here, a reasonable motion. Cause it's usually the opposite. Like in right. all the cases I cover, 
they want to talk, and they we, they did it in the Ahmaud Arbery case, which starts today, um, the day the show drops. But the defendants want to bring in or block previous bad actions or current, you know, pending cases or whatever, however you want to classify it, whatever it is. But and the state is saying, no, we want to show you that this person is a seasoned, tenured criminal. And this time the state's like, oh, we don't want to talk about it. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, there, there are new allegations in the Mark Jones case about cocaine. Okay. Did you read this article? No. I was laughing out loud. I saw it last week and I, I just happened to stumble upon it, but <laughs> apparently um, in July of 2021, which is a time at which he was already the elected district attorney, um, he was out and intoxicated one night and allegedly around 3 a.m. He began banging on the doors of a bar in downtown Columbus saying his keys were inside and the employees were like, no, your keys are not in here. Go home. And um, so he kept, he was screaming that he was the district attorney and he would shut down the bar if they did not give him his keys and then a, a contact of him gave him a ride home. Um, I don't know if it was like a friend or an acquaintance or what, but the, there's a filing that's been filed in court that says that when he got to Jones's house to drop him off, Mark Jones was like, thanks for the ride. Um, I can offer you like a free felony. And do you happen to know where you can buy cocaine? <laughs> huh. <laughs> the Not free felony thing. It, it, the free felony thing could be a, could be a joke. Oh, for sure. I, I have no doubt that it is. Um, and again, we don't know what the relation is to this person. I'm, I would be really interested to know how this person came to be part of the case. Like, was it, I mean, I, I think that the bar owners contacted law enforcement or prosecutors to let them know that this had happened. And then maybe in the course of investigation, they found out who the driver was um, or how he got home that night or whatever the case may be. But um I love how the the deputy attorney general who's prosecuting this case, John Fowler, he's like, um, like you're not supposed to possess or consume illegal drugs. So like he's harping on that when the case before we, the allegations we talked about, they're pretty serious. I would care much more. I would care less if on weekends and evenings he's snorting Coke as opposed to allegedly framing people and perjuring people himself. He also said what a lot of drunk people have, that I've heard, I've heard say around that time of morning. I, I, was, I was at a, a, a gala and we had an after party at the hotel. And this, and this guy around three o'clock was hey, let's get some blow. We're like, no. <laughs> but, you know, that's just, you know, that's just drunk talk. It was never going to happen. It was just it was just drunk talk. And and first of all, this guy couldn't be a very good friend if he if he mentioned it. If if, right. if, if officers came to me and I gave it's a friend of mine had said something like that, I'd just take him home drunk. I like, uh, I'd be like, nah, man, he was just he was just drunk, lost his keys. I, I took him home. He got inside. Uh, it, it was fine. I, mean, I don't even know how this comes out unless he he got in like an Uber and the Uber driver's like, no, he was asking about blow. 
Because I'm not besides, sure. How, how else are you going to straighten out at three o'clock in the morning and go go hammer more drinks unless you, unless you blow a couple lines, blow a couple rails, man. <laughs> Got to get back up up on top. <laughs> Good lord. Um. Okay. But so it's, it's, uh, it's also poisoning the 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 jury pool a little bit with the stuff coming out. Okay, but the alternative is that it's all done in secret, which. I've, I'm currently dealing with cases where certain things are sealed and it's like, I thought this was open court. It's, I mean, also the- not a, it's also not a crime to be drunk. It's not a crime to mention uh, illegal drugs. No, it's certainly not. Um, but I think that if he did in fact, what, and, and again, we're saying that, I mean, there's, again, I don't think this is the most egregious thing. I'm trying to say what I, where I think the state is coming from in this, which is, if he if he did if he was more serious or the person interpreted it as being serious that he offered the free felony coupon type thing, then they're showing that he routinely abuses his office because that what they're trying to do is establish a pattern. And I'm looking at the motions right here, and it says that um, the reason I think the reason this all got looped in is because a part time security position off-duty after hours was being um, done by a Columbus police officer. And so that's how it got on the radar of prosecutors. Uh, I, I still think the free, I, I have no idea. I don't know. The free felony thing may have been a joke, you know, uh, but the last thing I, uh, that what bothers me more is the banging on the door yelling, I'm the DA, you know, basically you don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. I'll shut you down. Well, and I will say, you know, again, I'm looking at the motions and it cites four incidents not related to that. And then it, with the regard to the summer incident with the coke and all of that, it just is another act. It's like at the end of it. Um, it's not it's not the main cause for concern, I suppose. Right. Well, we have former NFL star Herschel Walker raises $3.7 million in Senate bid to unseat Raphael Warnock. Mm-hmm. This is the first five weeks of a Senate campaign. It's a lot of money. It is. It is. Nearly 50,000 uh, donors from across all 50 states. I think that's hilarious because... Um when Karen Hannell and Lucy Macbeth were running against each other, everybody was mad because Lucy's money was from outside of Georgia. Of course, she was, too. But um, And then John Ossoff got hammered. And finally, Republicans were like, you know what? Maybe we should go outside of the state to collect some money. Uh, they do anyway. I've, I've donated to, to candidates in other states. Right. What annoys me is I then I get their mail forever. Like no man, I was just, I was just throwing you a few bucks because the guy because you're pro gun and the guy you're running against is is very anti gun. So uh, it's annoying. But yeah, it's that it's done. But we've got uh, second quarter fundraiser former Navy SEAL and Trump administration official Latham Sadler raised one point four million. This is uh, the last. Re- as of the last reporting. Right, right, right. Just to be clear. Uh, Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black brought in 700000 
What the hell? What the hell's he doing? Well, I don't know, yeah. but I'm super glad that he's getting blown out of the water because as much as I don't want Herschel Walker to be my U.S. senator, I don't want Guy Black to be my U.S. senator either. So the fact that his seven thousand or seven hundred thousand dollars is just a measly comparison to. But what annoys me is that a lot of these people did not donate to Herschel Walker because they think he's going to be a good senator or because they even know what he believes. Right. Right. It, this is a popularity contest, and everybody likes Herschel. Go dogs. I, mean, I, didn't li- I didn't like him when he was when he was playing for Georgia because he beat the snot out of my Gators. But uh, it's, it's not his fault. You pick a bad team. <laughs> That's not really fair. But anyway, yeah. Uh, and he was an NFL great, and it, he seems like a genuinely nice guy. But pe- people like Herschel. And that's that. You're right. It's it's all personality, and that's that's a scary well, part of where politics is is going. Is it's a hundred percent personality, and nobody's getting into policy. I think it's like with Herschel. I think it's like sixty percent UGA, thirty percent Donald Trump, ten percent. I just don't want Warnock. And I don't know anything about the other guys. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting thing will, will be seeing if Warnock has the testicular fortitude to run negative ads against Walker. Oh, for sure. They're going to go after his mental health and everything. That won't play well in Georgia. That, ju- that just will not play well in Georgia. You don't think? No. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. You, you're going to have to get a, the only thing you can really go after. Go after him on his experience, and I don't know what what experience Warnock had to get the job to begin with. He's a reverend, sir, or Loeffler, for that matter. I, oh, poor Kelly, my memory on Facebook popped up about her today, where she was posing with Marjorie Taylor Greene in her little baseball Does this cap. Have- and Does I, this hat make me look yes, poor? Yes, that's my <laughs> caption. So my favorite Kelly moment. Veteran Kelvin King received 379,000 contributions. Warnock, 6 million in contributions and had 10 and a half in the bank. And that's not, we don't even know how much he raised as of recording. We don't know how much he raised in the third quarter. And so that's almost $17 million. Oh, that's a, a lot of money. Well, once... Once Herschel gets through the uh, uh, through the primary, there'll be there'll be RNC money that comes in. Well, sure, but I don't know. So, so that it's not really fair to compare uh, somebody who just ramped up their campaign to somebody who's already had DNC money rolling in and has has reserves from last campaign. Of course not, but you got to know how much you're up against. I mean, $700,000 ain't going to cut it. And I, I mean, as much as I hate to say it and I hate that it's the truth, if Kelvin King were to make it through the primary and be the winner as opposed to Herschel, he's not going to get as much money from around the country and from PACs and other things because right. he just doesn't have that name recognition and 
I mean, none of them have experience, but they're just not going to get it. Um, no, right. I mean, at, at at this point, Kelvin King should take that 379 and hand it over to Herschel and step out. No, he should not. He should give it back to the donors and say, thank you. Good night. But don't give it to Herschel. Uh, if, if I don't know, uh, Gary Black's 700,000 won't, won't do it. I mean, you're you're running against somebody who can afford statewide TV. Mm-hmm. For and the whole time. Of, right. Right. And like I said, Warnock's going to have a uh, Warnock doesn't. The, the advantage Warnock has is he probably will not have to to mm-hmm. to fight a primary. And if he does, it will be a sacrificial lamb. Right. And I will say this too. You know, <laughs> um. Can't stand Warnock. Can't, don't really like Ossoff. Um, if I had to choose one to go, it would be Warnock for sure. But those two and their constituent services and their information through their campaigns is, is mind-blowing. Like, the number of press, I get multiple press releases a day from their offices just about what they're doing, where they were, what they talked about. Um, who they met with, pictures, B-roll. And I've seen commercials on Hulu for them. I've heard commercials on the radio, not for um, re-election. Like it's it's like, hey, did you know that this resource is available? Or th-? And, and I'm not saying that that's appropriate, but they are way more visible, way more interactive. And when you word the, when you send press releases out, I mean, of course, I don't just peddle their message and copy paste it, but you send it out like Ossoff and Warnock secure funding for this group or an Ossoff and Warning deliver promise for this group. That's what people are hearing and seeing. And that's something that Republicans suck at. Yeah. Like, well, especially, especially ours here in Georgia, because it, it was almost assumed that they would walk into re-election. Yeah. But especially uh Purdue. Purdue, for sure. But Purdue, you know, he would if he dropped a piece of legislation, he would put out a press release. And if he, you know, Kelly Leffler was quick to send out press releases about where she donated her salary and to what groups she gave it to and and that kind of stuff. And 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 what you know, she's in a press release supporting or opposing every thing that was going on. Like she, you know, with the N- the WNBA because of her relationships to that and the kneeling and Black Lives Matter and the protests and all this stuff. But it wasn't about what they were actually doing. And I can't, like I said, I, you will never see me cast a vote for either of those two guys. But you can't deny the way that they are reaching the population in different ways and constantly keeping people up to date whether or not it's good government or whatever people are going to say well he told me he did this and they actually did i mean it's terrible but (laughs) they did they did do it and people know about it and republicans don't know how to do that right yeah you you didn't hear about purdue I mean, hardly ever heard heard anything from him. He, like I said, he he felt it was his seat. He had he had the family name, and that was going to be his reelection. Now, Loeffler Loeffler tried. She just n- could never relate to people. 
Right. She's like an alien that landed on this planet, wondering how to how to relate to humans. But this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show, any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. So, Jessica, the South rose again in Kusa. Yeah. I don't know what it is about high school teenagers and the confederate flag because it was a thing when i was in middle school and high school like there was a group of guys in alpharetta like that just loved they had an adoration for the confederate flag t-shirts bumper stickers and it was like their thing and and i'm not i'm not anti-confederate flag like i don't really care what you do would you would you rise up over your house? What bumper stickers you have on your car? But I don't understand the obsession with it. Well, when I was in high school, the uh, the Confederate battle battle flag was still part of the Georgia flag. Well, did you know that the Georgia flag still has Confederate like roots to it? I mean, it's 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 not free of Confederate history. People just don't know their history. Georgia, I mean. It's part of Georgia. But anyway, uh, a group of students at Cusa High School in Rome uh, were filmed waving the Confederate flag and hurling racial slurs. They were. Um, That's Floyd County, if people don't know. So, um, and I guess the homecoming week, uh, (laughs) I. They did it for farm day on the spirit day and they didn't face any repercussions. I'm not sure. um, I don't, I don't know where they were hurling the, the slurs. Like, I don't know if it was just on Facebook or if it was on campus or what, but um, students were upset that, they weren't reprimanded. And so they planned a protest to bring awareness to the problem. And when they did that, um, the students who were planning to protest were suspended. And the students who were planning to protest happened to be black. And so when the, the administration put out a statement, or I said over the announcements and said, the administration is aware of tomorrow's planned protest. Police will be present here at the school. And if students insist on encouraging this kind of activity, they will be disciplined for encouraging unrest. Um, and apparently two white students who were at the protest were not suspended, but they were supposedly as disruptive as the, the black students. Um, I don't know. Huh. I, it, it sounds like, I mean, we don't have all the information because we weren't there. There's a lot of moving parts to this, but. It sounds to me like it was handled poorly regardless. Well, there I don't know that carrying the the rebel flag is against school policy. I'm sure the racial slurs are would be covered under the the student discipline. Uh it it, it depends on what they what they said. It just it, there's I don't see any 
I don't, I didn't see exactly what they were considering racial slurs. I have no idea. Uh, but well, if it was one it of was, the organizers of the protesters said, and this is, I mean, she wasn't even talking about the racial slurs. She, she, she said, I feel the Confederate flag should not be flown at all. It is a racist symbol and it makes me feel disrespected. And she told that to an Atlanta news station. And then another one said um, that the students are not allowed to wear black lives matter apparel, but they are allowed to carry the flag. Well, I don't think they were carrying the flag in class like they weren't carrying marching down the hall with it it was during homecoming week i don't know you're not exactly comparing apples to apples right i i don't know i don't like like i said it wasn't a thing when i was in high school kids did had had confederate jackets and stuff um so it, it it just wasn't a thing. It, it, it wasn't if if someone had on uh, a Confederate battle battle flag uh, t shirt, it just wasn't a thing. It just you went on you went on your. They were just you know, they were just rednecks. I mean, it's just just the way it is. They were just country boys. That's that's what they wore. Uh, this is a lot over four kids out of the entire school. This this is a, a large response to four kids, mm-hmm. and it could have been it could have been handled very simply. Uh, with you t- take those four kids aside, say this is uh, uh, the slurs are unacceptable behavior. Uh, give them I don't know, give them detention a couple of days or something like that. It seems like that would be would be. A lot well, simpler. It would have it would have handled the situation and it had been done. I think it's important to note, though, that, you know, you're talking about school sanctioned activities of homecoming week and and behavior that was in line with that, whether the content was not acceptable is certainly a a point of discussion. But a protest during school hours on school grounds is not school sanctioned. And I don't think that they were reprimanded and suspended for the content. They were suspended because they planned a protest during school hours and that is disruptive and that if they were doing this protest, that means they weren't where they were supposed to be. And so they were probably held accountable for that. Yeah. And look, uh, schools have had walkouts for years and, and usually uh, school administration would let it happen for, for a certain period of time. All right. You've had your say, everybody get back to class. Okay. Everybody goes back to class. Mm-hmm. They they felt like you know, students feel like they got their their voices heard, and now it's time now it's time to go back to class, and, and you go back to class. It's no more disruptive than a fire drill. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I don't I, I don't, um, I don't just understand. To be clear, s- the flags did not happen at school. Oh, <laughs> wait, 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 it did happen at school, and that disciplinary action had been taken. Well, there you, you go. That? In a statement, but uh, again, though, I mean, you can't protest during school hours like kids who had walkouts years ago. We didn't have one when I was in high school, at least that I recall, and I certainly didn't participate. But um, you can't just like do that on school hours and not have any repercussions. 
oh, we did it when I was in middle school. I can't, oh. I can't remember what it, what it was over. But, you know, most of our administrators were old hippies. So, yeah. you know, they they let it happen. And then was it like, over okay. race? No. Okay. No. There you go. I, it, was, it, was, it was, I don't know if it was a school policy. I don't know what it was, but they let us have our say for, for a few minutes. And then it was, all right, get back to class. Uh, you know, I, I think suspension is kind of hard. I, and of course, I don't know about these four students, uh, the ones that were uh, were suspended, if they were pulled aside and said, hey, listen, we're not going to let this happen on on uh, during the school day. You know, we're it's hard enough to to, uh, uh, to keep the kids in class uh, with uh, with everything else. So if you want to have your say, do it before class. And they and they told the the vice principal, whatever, to to kiss their butt. I have, I have no idea exactly what led to the suspension. And we shouldn't because that stuff shouldn't be public. They're children. And I, so that, that, that to me is a little, uh, a little wonky. Like they're planning it. Was it conspiracy to commit a protest? (laughs) I don't know. So we have, uh, other Confederate disputes, Washington Post article on Confederate statues and violence. Yeah. So the same day that I saw this piece on, uh, Floyd County, there was a piece that came out talking about the connection between counties in the nation that have Confederate monuments and the amount of lynchings that occurred in those counties. And I thought it was really interesting. Like they said that as recently as 2015, 57% of Americans saw the Confederate flag as representing Southern pride more than they did racism. And 75% of white Southerners felt it represented pride versus 11% of black Southerners. And those numbers had not moved really since 2000 when the poll was taken or similar poll was taken. But the, the study compared county level data on lynchings from 1832 to 1950 um, and said that in any given area, and even controlling for population, other demographic variables, the number of lynching was a significant predictor of the number of memorials. Um, They said they make no claims that one caused the other, but they said they can't pinpoint the cause and effect, but the association is clearly there. Well, the cause and effect is really irrelevant. The point is, I mean, it's, it's history. Like, we had a dark time in our nation where we lynched people based on associations and race. And at that time, there was a different belief system and we had a different flag. And And people who were in leadership, as they are now, had monuments made about them for whatever reason, not necessarily because they lynched people. I mean... Uh, if you're going to... The South was a hot spot during that time, particularly uh, during Reconstruction and the early part of the 20th century. But it, it, it's it's a little bit of race baiting here because we haven't heard of one lately. A regardless of what's yeah, you just don't you. What what do we have now? We have uh, we have well, four now, students that that are allegedly uh, uh, slinging slurs. No, people aren't getting strung up. 
Well, sure. We don't have our modern day lynching, depending on who you ask. And if you followed the march to the sea from Sylvania to Savannah, is the police. Yeah. The system. The system yeah, I, lynches people. Yeah. But the you system. know what? Those people depend on that system to help them, you know, pay their bills and keep their lights on and put food on their table. And they depend on that system. So the system is either really, really bad or the system is their savior and they should be trusted. So. Yeah, exactly. I, man. What a. You take power away from words when you misuse them. When you when you compare dragging somebody out of their home and stringing them up by a tree, compare that to it was really uncool the way you handled that. That's fifty thousand public monuments throughout the nation. The point of contention is that Robert E. Lee is the sixth most most honored figure after Lincoln, Washington, Columbus. MLK and St. Francis. And that only 1% of the monuments mention slavery. Right. I mean, I just, I don't understand why people, I mean, first of all, did you learn anything in the world that you know today from a monument, from what was put on in the, on the front of a monument? Oh, I'm sure because uh, because I'm the nerd. I'll read the historical marker and well, of and course the, you read it. But is that what you like? Go is that your go to place no. for knowledge and the basis of your ideology? No, no, absolutely not. You know, I I don't care about the monuments one way or the other. Uh, I don't. I, I think I think use the cancel culture with with taking down statues is is absurd. Uh, I can't remember which. Uh, which state was removing a Jefferson? It may have been Virginia, which, which would be amazing. New York removing a statue of Jefferson. Yeah, because he owned slaves. Who was who was a brilliant man, third president, and they're ta- they're taking the wrote New York, New York the Declaration the of Independence do. for this country. I don't. If he owned slaves, and we want to say that that's wrong, you can say that. But there should still be a monument for him because he wrote the founding document. He was a man capable of writing with both hands. A, a brilliant man. Uh, one of the longest lived uh, founding fathers. Uh, but to, to to take that, it's one thing. I, I don't know. I, it's just stupid. He also stopped the importation of slaves into the United States. Right. <laughs> Which was fairly progressive for the time. It was the first. He, he pushed it on Congress as one of his initiatives and signed the law to take effect in the first year that it could per the Constitution. Like. It, it was very progressive. And yes, slaves continued to have children and their children were brought up in slavery. And I mean, it it obviously that was in 1806 and it carried on for many, many years after that. I'm not suggesting, but you can, you can acknowledge that somebody did something that you don't like, but they had other accomplishments. Right. Absolutely. 
I mean, most people. <laughs> yeah, most people with reason. So we have the supply chain crisis everyone is ignoring. Mm, we were talking about this before the show. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's something that comes up in, in, in my daily life, just trying to find find a parts and equipment, things like that. Uh, the worst dis- distribution uh, disruption, excuse me, of supply chain since the advent of the shipping container era in the late 1950s. Is, driven is at any, bottom by the pandemic. Uh, yeah. What were you saying, it, Jess? Well, I was. You, I know. I know for because you installed um, a unit for at my mom's house, but that you're having issues with work equipment. But are you having problems getting things you need, like for your home with you and Connie, or things that you know, like not necessarily necessities, but not ne- some like in between necessity and luxury. Weird things like crackers, saltines. I know. I can't. I had to buy off-brand saltines, which don't taste as good, but they are a dollar and twenty-five cents cheaper. Yeah, I, yeah. Saltines. I, uh, a buddy of mine were talking about that. He ordered some on Amazon because he, he couldn't find them in, in the in the store. But yeah, it's 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 weird things. Um, uh, I, I I put that Mio stuff in water, mm-hmm. and. I'll go to Publix and there'll be a sun. Our apologies. Uh, you know, we're out of stock. It's just, it's weird things. It, it, it's chicken wings for a while. You, could, you couldn't find a pack of chicken wings. That's terrifying. Yeah, I know. Especially now that it's football season. But yeah, it's, it's there. It is. It's not, it's not Soviet Russia level. Uh, waiting in line for for a loaf of bread, but yet. it's it it's yet, but it's it's certainly frustrating, you know. It, it and of course, you know, in my professional life, doing trying to find a computer board, and, and computer boards go bad. That's just it's a computer, they go bad, uh, and then you got to tell somebody, I'm sorry, you're going to be hot for three weeks because it's on back order. I've got I've got a board ordered now. They're saying it won't be available till. Until December, because it's sitting in a sitting in a ship off Long Beach, most likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it says a surge in e-commerce coupled with labor shortage helped create the conditions spiraling series of bottlenecks. I, mean, I don't want to get stuck into the or I sucked into the um, rabbit hole of what vaccine mandates are doing because we've kind of already we've we've very much discussed that in depth, but. Um, Obviously, that is worsening the situation, but I mean, our ports are understaffed and ships are wait, full ships waiting with just stuff on them are just waiting to be unloaded. And I don't think people re- like it's not like when you have a fishing boat and you come in for the day and it takes like an hour to take everything off and and, you know, tuck the boat in for the night. And clean it up. Like you're talking about shipping containers that have to be moved with machines and placed somewhere so that they can be put on a truck and or a train and transported somewhere. And those things aren't happening. So ships are just waiting out in the ocean. Right. And getting more expensive every day for those sailors. 
and the fuel they're burning. Because if they're sitting there, they're not making money. The company's not. I was going to ask about that with the with the money and or the um the fuel because obviously they're not just I mean they're they're not it's not like a cruise ship when you have to when you can't get off a cruise ship and you have to circle the island for bad weather you have to stay in a certain area they're like actually just kind of idling in place because they have them staggered in a line for miles well are they're they, probably anchored I was going to say are they anchored and then but there's some stuff that has to keep running because if they're cold or, I mean, the elements. Well, you know, they, they still have to run their generators. They still have to uh, keep the lights on and and stuff like that. You'll be able to run their kitchens. But when I see ships in, uh, in Mobile, uh, Mobile Bay, there's what I call the quarantine line. As they're waiting for the pilot to come and, and bring the ships into, into port, there's a line of at least three that are almost always in the same place, uh, f- three, four miles offshore. And they're, they're anchored, but you know, the, the generators are running, but, the, but they're anchored. It's nuts. It is. And it's doing nothing but getting more expensive. So the next thing that starts getting shipped over now, look, this is, this is what happened when we, when we took, when we, made things so expensive to produce here. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that contributed to that. And, but now, I mean, if so, if they can get them off the boat, then they've got to have truckers. Well, we're down, we need 20 more or 20,000 more drivers to be on the long haul, long haul, you know, Rouse, I guess, um, to, to get things where they need yeah. to go. We need 20,000 drivers. Over the road truckers. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then, then stuff sits outside of warehouses because the warehouses aren't, they don't have people showing up. And then, I mean, that just trickles down. Like I was looking at refrigerators, um, recently. And of course, you know, there's some in stock and there's some that can get here in a couple of days, but there are common standard, refrigerators that are used in like you know stock homes when you buy a new house or something like that that aren't available until february and that's a that's an estimate based on where we are right now and the situation keeps getting worse oh yeah absolutely especially when you consider some of those container ships are bringing oil over that we're not producing in our country anymore you know we were damn near energy independent under the last administration Mm-hmm. And now we're back to importing it, and that's why where you see five dollar gallon gasoline, and all Thanks. that goes in, goes goes into it to the expense of that Amazon package showing up on your doorstep. Well, but the Biden administration said that they met with oil industry officials and asked them to tame prices. Huh. How'd that go? I don't know. I haven't heard, but I'm assuming that they were like, well, we weren't going to, but since you asked so nicely. I mean, and they said, obviously, it's not as um, dire as some of the other things, but they said there's not going to be enough turkeys for Thanksgiving. And now they said that, um, you know, Christmas is going to. The, the I love how they worded it, like the fact that certain toys and, and, and 
technology and stuff is not going to be available for the Christmas season, that's going to overlap into 2022 and basically like get everyone's years off to a bad start. And my answer for that is like, if we didn't have children that were so freaking dependent on technology based toys and they still played outdoors and with like sticks and boxes and stuff, like maybe it wouldn't be devastating into the new year because they don't get the toy they want. But I digress. Um, These now these companies are calling for political intervention because they want, you know, the federal government to do something and to send in the national guard to help unload these ships and to do all these things. Well, the Biden administration appointed somebody on a six month contract back in August to at least get the ships into port and get things. That was in August. It's a six month contract. We're in October and they still were, it's still the worst it's ever been in and continues to pile up. They've got 80 ships off the coast of California, 80, I think there's 55 off the coast of Georgia. Well, you know, as far as sending the National Guard in, uh, longshoremen is a is a profession. It's not something you just say, "All right, troop, guess guess what? You're you're running a crane today." <laughs> I mean, the guard does have truckers and does have mechanics. And it does have, uh, especially the Air Guard has has forklift operators and load specialists, but they don't have. They're not longshoremen. Okay, but I don't and you can't you can't break it. It's not like this ship is full of toys and this ship is full of oil and this ship is full of food. But so you you can't break it down. And I have no use for the. I don't want the National Guard unloading ships for for. I mean, this this is an asinine. The problem has been created by government. More government is not going to make it better. Right. It never has. Ever. I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Yeah, they're going to break both your legs and then give you a wheelchair. And people will be like, look, the government gave me a free wheelchair. Broke both my legs, but I'll be damned if they didn't give me a free wheelchair. I don't have any well, closing thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any closing thoughts? No, I'm just mad. <laughs> you can keep going, though. No. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we have the we have the strikes that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. these unions are taking advantage of, 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 of the situation here. John Deere, 10,000 employees. Uh, author, uh, that's... And they were offered a, pr- a decent deal uh, with their with their pay raises, uh, but they feel and they actually said this. They feel that the they need to strike while the iron's hot, and you know with these with these companies that are struggling with production, get it out and say we'll shut production down if we don't get what we want. Well, and people Which, are so shallow. They're like, well, I don't need a tractor. Well, neither do I. But you know, the person who gr- gr- like cultivates your food does. And the, right. the people who pick cotton to put clothes on your back do. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Right. Yeah, that's... Yeah, the, the people that produce our food need those tractors. It's not just, you know, Johnny Honum going <laughs> down and getting a, uh, uh, getting a, a yard tractor to cut his grass. It's... Right. And you mentioned before the show, it's all the way down to parts, if right. if, a, if a farmer needs needs to 
repair his equipment. If the, if the manufacturer's not turning out parts, that's, that's trouble. Because crops have to be have to be harvested at certain times, have to be planted at certain times, and it's it's a sometimes it's a narrow window with because everything Absolutely. is dependent on weather. So if you if you leave crops in the field, they will rot. And and for that for that farmer, that's that's devastating. And, and, you know, you will get farmers that lend each other equipment and, and if, this, if this goes on too long, because everybody in the farming community looks out for each other. But it can't go on forever. And that is where we're at, is that there's no end in sight. And people are only looking at, like, do I care that the film industry is going to strike? Mm, not really. But then when you think about the fact that when they're not working, they need more benefits and they they just need more and then that that that's people not spending money and i mean it's it's all related it is and and we were talking before the show and you made a good point that the what the film industry people are complaining about is long hours uh short breaks but that's the industry you got into it has been that it's just it it that you know that it's be like h air conditioning people going on strike because they don't want to get in crawl spaces anymore no you you know that's 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 what we do. Right. All of a sudden, they want the industry to adapt for them, which is completely unreasonable. Well, it'll, it'll raise production costs. It'll push out production time. And, you know, and some of the stars, I even saw, um, not Seth Rogen, but the other Rogen, uh, uh, Say you know I I back these people that they, they were nothing without our without our, without our production crews. Uh, maybe it was Seth, uh, but it's but you know the stars because it doesn't affect them. You know how the stars go and they do their do their ten minute scene or whatever, and then go back sit in their trailer, and then they come out they come out for the next scene because they're they're shooting different multiple things in the same same set. So I think the 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 talent gets more breaks. You know, if you're if you're a production guy, while while they're doing whatever, you're fine tuning the 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 sets. You're building you're building another set and all that stuff. So I don't know, man. I, it yes, a fourteen hour day sucks, but it's also you're making money that fourteen hours, and then in between in between uh, uh, filmings, when you wait for the next movie to start, you're doing nothing. And it's not dissimilar from what I do for a living, where I have months where the phone doesn't really ring. And then I have uh, the three months of summer that's just wide open. So, Jessica, you're not going to give your, you don't have your closing thought? No. And if you were cooking something, you would be burning it right now. Yes. Yeah. So, if you like what you heard, <laughs> Like and share us on social media. Share us with your friends. Uh, encourage them to listen. If you don't like people, encourage them to listen too, because uh, it can be punishment for the right people. So, for my podcast partner in crime, Jessica Salaji, for our awesome editor, Eric Cumbie, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. <laughs>